I almost feel like after what we've had so far this morning on making that the benediction, and uh, you can all go home, but before you guys clap for that, um, I'm going to keep you just a, a little bit longer. Um, this morning we are closing up our series on the kingdom experience, on going through the Beatitudes, and hopefully it has been as good of a series for you as it has for me, um, not because I'm standing up here, but just because of what God has taught me um, through it. And uh, you may have noticed that we haven't hit on every single beatitude. That's not because we as a pastoral staff felt those beatitudes weren't important. It's just we decided to do a, a six-week series, and these were the ones that we chose. So I encourage you to go back through the Sermon on the Mount, go back through these Beatitudes and, and take the time to hit the ones that, that we missed, read through them, find out what they mean. Is that something that you have as part of your life? Because when Jesus shared these with his disciples and with the people that were sitting there as well, he wasn't just saying that you should only be poor in spirit. He wasn't just saying that you should only be meek. He wasn't just saying that you should only be a peacemaker. He was saying if you want to truly live out your life and have a kingdom experience, this is what you need to be. So it wasn't like you can just choose one of them and say, I got that down, I'm good. It's, this is an all-encompassing thing. So read through those. Look at the ones that we didn't touch on. And my mic is going to bug me again. Um, I apologize if I'm pushing like this. I, I think in the last two weeks my ear changed shape and... For some, I don't know, maybe I slept on it funny and it moved. And uh, so, so now my, my mic wants to pop out, so I don't know. Um, I may switch to a different mic if it's too much of a, a distraction. Um, but this is where we're at, and, and this morning we're, we're concluding this time. And one of the things that I find interesting in this as well is the, this last beatitude, blessed are those who are persecuted, and, and it goes on and it says, you know, because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He opened up this list of beatitudes with, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And he ends it with, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And it's this all-inclusive thing that if you are living these out, if you are experiencing my kingdom, it's yours for the taking. You know, the ones in the middle all said, will be, will be, will be. These two beginning to end are is that there's that sense of, yes, in the future you will be with me in heaven, but also if you're living this out, you can experience my kingdom here on this earth. And that's what living for him has been all about. And hopefully you have done that this past six weeks. Hopefully you have experienced him. We salute you for the pairs of shoes that you have brought and the hundreds of shoes that are going to help those that are in need. Last week, it was amazing to see your response to God as you came forward. We've been praying for you this week that those things that you let go of, that you said, you know what, I want to live my life for Christ. I want to let go of these things, that you've been able to hold on to that and live out your life for Him. And this morning then, we're going to take it a step further. And we're going to look at this blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness. Persecuted in our Christian walk, I think, here in America is a foreign word to us. Because we're not in a country where 
it could mean serious things. Your take home for this morning is out at the information desk. I'll talk about it at the end of it this morning, but I just want to share you some things. Basically what this is, is a, a trifold that for the next month you have a, a prayer that you can be praying each day for countries or for specific people who live in persecuted areas. And for us, we, we take it so for granted, our faith and worshiping Him, and yet in other countries it's not so easy. I just want to highlight a few of the days. Um, for August 16th, which is tomorrow, a former Muslim was beaten, disinherited, and falsely accused by his own family. But in spite of these experiences, he remains devoted to Christ and to the ministry. And it goes on to say about his prayer requests. In Indonesia, Tino was rejected by her family and had to flee because of threats. With continued help, she is slowly recovering and has been leading a small group of believers. In another country, the government allows churches to operate officially, but the process securing such permission is almost impossible. Pray for the believers to establish good report with their community and local leaders so that they are allowed to worship as a church. And then in Somalia, they've received several reports of the increasing numbers of secret believers being exposed and killed for their faith in Christ. These things are happening around the world, yet I think a lot of times we're immune to it, and we don't totally know what's going on. And we sit here and we're comfortable. Now, persecution may take on a different form in the United States, but there is some of that going on. But what Christ says here is, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness. Basically, that is included in this list. So that means part of your Christian walk is going to be persecution. Yet how many of us experience that? And if we're not experiencing that, I'm going to challenge you, then what is your Christian walk really like? Are you truly following Christ? Because as you look in Scripture, as we talked a little bit about last week, if you're following Him 100%, if you're totally laying everything on the line and willing to pay that cost, persecution is going to be there. Whether you like it or not, it's going to be there. And if it's not there then are you truly following Him? For us, it was very easy. Well, maybe it wasn't easy to get up this morning. I don't know. But it was easy for us to get up, to get in our cars, and to come here. Would you do the same if you knew getting up, getting in your car, and driving here meant that if someone found out, you could possibly be killed? I know that's a tough question to answer because it's such a hypothetical situation, but would you? Or would you think, you know what, it's just as easy to worship God at home today. I think I'll do that instead of taking that chance. And yet, in other countries, people are taking that risk. And the thing that amazes me is when you look at it, is that it seems to be in the areas where Christians are being persecuted the most severe, that's where the church is growing. That's where you're seeing things happen. And it's sad to say that it seems like a lot of our churches here in the United States are going the opposite way. 
Is there a correlation there? I don't know. Maybe. And I think a lot of times it gets because we're comfortable. We like being comfortable. We like being where we're at. We don't want to be stretched. We don't want to be pushed. We want to be comfortable. But Christ calls us to a life where you're not always going to be comfortable. He calls you to a place where if you're going to truly live for Him, there's going to be persecution. And why does that happen? It happens because we live in a broken world. We live in a world that isn't right. We live in a world that has rejected God. We live in a world where there's sin. And the proof of that, one of the main proofs, is that Christians are persecuted around the world. And that just shows us that this world isn't perfect. But it also shows us that we need to be looking at, are we really living our lives for Christ? When you look at these next two verses after verse 10, the blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We need to remember that Jesus is sitting there teaching his disciples. So he has his disciples gathered around him. And yes, more people had gathered there to hear him speak. But he was, he was teaching his disciples. And he breaks that down a little bit more personally to them. In verses 11 and 12. And he says, he goes on and he says, Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you. Because of me. But he goes on and says, Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you. So Jesus takes that. So what does righteousness mean? He expands on it. And to me, I look at that and say, basically, he's saying, righteousness is imitating me. Is imitating my life. I have given you an example. I have given you how you need to live your life. That's what righteousness is. And if you live out your life imitating me, there's going to be people who insult you. There's going to be people who persecute you. There's going to be people who falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of what you're standing up for. And I don't know if you have experienced that or not. But that's something that if you are truly living out your Christian life, as we talked, that 100% that sold out, that's going to happen. And there's going to be times where, because people just don't understand who you are or what you're all about, that's going to happen. Francis Chan, who's a noted author and speaker in his book Crazy Love, says this. He says, something is wrong when our lives make sense to unbelievers. Read that again. Something is wrong when our lives make sense to unbelievers. So you see, when you're sold out, when you're living your life 100%, people around you aren't going to totally understand that. It just doesn't make sense. How can you be that way? How can you serve this God? How can you be willing to 
stand up for Him. And so people may insult you. People may persecute you. People may say things that aren't true at all about you. And how you respond to that will determine how those people respond to God. And that next verse, he says, Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. To me, that's so hard to do when someone is insulting you or saying things that aren't true about you. And Jesus is saying, you know what? Rejoice and be glad. I don't want to rejoice and be glad. I want to find out the person who's doing this stuff and go have a face-to-face with them. Take them out behind the dumpster. You know? I mean, that's the way we think at first. Unless they're a lot bigger than me, then I won't do that. No, you have to be smart too. But Christ says, no, if you are being persecuted because of me, if you are being insulted because of the way you're living out your life for me, if people are saying things that aren't true about you because of how you're living out your life for me, be glad. Even rejoice because of that man, your reward is going to be so much greater that you're going to totally forget about the people or the things that were said about you or the things that were done to you. He goes, and also remember that this has happened in the past. You're not the only one. I think sometimes we think we're the only one that this is going to happen to or that this is happening to. He says, you know what, remember that the prophets went through this as well. And they survived. And they're here with me in heaven. And their reward is great. And that's what you need to remember. I want to read again those verses that Pastor Dave read from 1 Peter chapter 3. Just to reiterate the point, it says, Who's going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear. Do not be frightened. But in your heart, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you. Give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. It is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. Right there again, he's saying it's better to suffer for doing good at times than for doing evil. But also, you need to realize that when we do the right thing, sometimes we're going to suffer. I think so many times we think when I totally give my life to Christ, when I give it, everything's going to be perfect, that nothing's going to go wrong. And that's just not the case because when you do that, that's when Satan is going to attack more. You know, I I think of last week, a lot of you came forward and said, this is what I want to give to Christ. This is what I want to give over. And sometimes we walk out of here and think, okay, I did that. Everything is going to be great. Everything is going to be perfect. And then Monday, our car breaks down. And then Tuesday, something else happens. And then Wednesday, something else happens. And we say, you know what? I thought, God, that when I gave this over to you, my life was going to be perfect. What's the deal? And... Scripture doesn't say that at all. 
Yes, it says God is going to bless you, but he doesn't say, I'm going to bless you by making your life perfect. Nowhere in Scripture does it say that. But he says, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to help you through these areas. And one of the ways, believe it or not, that you're going to be blessed through is by being persecuted. And maybe that happened to some of you this past week once you gave things over. I don't know. But that's when Satan likes to attack. Is when things are, you feel like you have your relationship with Christ going well, you've given things over to him, there's going to be persecution. If it's not happening, then you need to think seriously, what's going on in my relationship with God? Remember when I attended Nyack College in Nyack, New York, um, right outside of New York City, the area is, Nyack area is known for, for witches. Um, there's a lot of witches in that area for some reason. Um, you know, I don't know why. That's just the way it was in downtown. There was actually a cafe that was like the Coven Cafe. Um, that's where a lot of them hung out, that type of thing. And uh, one of the things that would happen quite often at our college um, since it was a Christian college, was that they would put curses on our college because they didn't want to see God doing anything, so they would try to put curses on our college. At times, um, people would find small sacrificed animals. I mean, this was real stuff. You know, they, they would do these things. It's not, you know, sometimes we think, you know, these things aren't really real. You read about them. But, yeah, that, that kind of thing happens. And uh, I remember, I think it was, was my, I can't remember if it was my sophomore or junior year, um, our school was going through a lot of internal stuff. Spiritually, we kind of went blah, because there was a lot of internal, um, I don't know if you want to call it fighting, but it just, there, there wasn't a unity, there wasn't a, a spirit there of God working. And um, I used to go down on an evangelism team that went down into downtown Nyack every Friday, and, and we would witness to people who were out on the streets. And a couple of us actually ended up talking to a witch. And when she found out we were from Nyack, one of the first things she said is, oh, we don't have to worry about that place anymore. You know, and, and it just all struck us you know, how serious this is. And that, man, when you're not living your life for Christ, when you're not where you should be, then you're not going to face persecution. You're not going to face those kind of things because Satan's not worried about you. You know, because you're not on his radar anymore. Because you're too busy doing other things, you're not living your life for Christ, well, I don't have to worry about him right now. And it's real. That kind of thing happens. And that was just a great picture. We all kind of walked away from that saying, whoa. You know, that here's, you know, these people outside of Nyack that aren't there, don't know what's going on, but they can get a sense of, you know, we don't have to worry about Nyack. God, we don't have a sense of God being there anymore. And they're from the outside looking in. So you see, there's this need that we need to be 100% living for Him. And these verses also say, when you do that, when persecution comes, you shouldn't be afraid. Because there's nothing really to fear. Because God is there with you, and the reward is so much greater than any persecution that you can go through. But I think so many times we get worried and we want to flee and we want to run from it. 
And Christ is saying, you can't do that. You'll be blessed if you go through this. If you're willing to take this on, I'm going to be there with you. I'm going to help you through these situations, and great is the reward. In that verse 10, he says, for yours is the kingdom of heaven, is the kingdom of heaven. You're going to experience it in the future, but you're also going to experience here and now. What an incredible reward that is, to experience that. But yet, so many times we're afraid, you know what, my coworker may laugh at me or say some things. You know, when I go out to lunch this afternoon to a restaurant, should we pray or not? Well, maybe we can hurry and pray while our waiter or waitress is away before they come back. None of you ever try to time that, do you? So it's not awkward, so they don't see you praying, right? You don't do that, right? No, not at all. So I remember a time I was with two of the youth leaders, and we had stopped at a restaurant coming home from a conference and uh, we were praying, and you know you can feel the person, you know, someone walk up, so we knew it was our waitress. And we just we kept praying. We didn't end it quick. We finished our prayer, and she was like, "Oh, that was cute." And it was like the rest of the time she was making sarcastic remarks, you know. And it was it was just funny. But you know, the, those things. There's times where like, well, I don't, you know, we need to pray really fast before the waiter gets here or the waitress gets here. Why? Why are we not willing to stand up and say, you know what, I'm a Christian? Or maybe it's because we're not going to tip them well, so we don't want them to see us. I don't know. Um, That's a whole other topic. And we kind of addressed that last week anyway. So you guys aren't doing that anymore. But Or we flee from other things. When we have a chance to talk to one of our neighbors, we flee from it because we're worried about what they may think. Or a friend. And we run away because we're worried they may say something. They may treat me different. The next time we're together, it may be awkward. What if Christ did the same thing? What if when he started going through that suffering, what if he said, you know what? This isn't worth it. This just isn't worth it. I'm tired of people saying things about me that are not true, by calling them Satan. I'm tired of my disciples just not getting it, like knocking their heads together. I'm knowing what I'm going to go through by being beaten, by being spit on. It's just not worth it. I don't want to go through that persecution. I'm just going to go back up to heaven and be with my father. What, what if he had said that and decided to do that? Where would that leave us? It would leave us in a place, and there'd be no hope. There'd be no future. But thankfully, he said, you know what? I'm going to go through this. I'm going to be persecuted because of my love for you. Because I know if I go through this, there's going to be a chance for all of you now to be restored. If you just believe in me and your sins to be forgiven and that you can spend eternity with me in heaven. And he went through with it, sacrificing his life. Yet how many of us aren't willing to go through some type of small persecution by even being laughed at, or left out of things because we stand up for Christ?
And I think a lot of it comes back to we're just comfortable. We're so comfortable where we're at. I quoted Francis Chan earlier, and I want to quote him one more time. Sometimes, um, because I've read a lot of his books, my wife calls me a Francis Chaniite or something like that. I don't know. Um, But but he has some good things. And in his book, The Forgotten God, he says this. He says, It is true that God may have called you to be exactly where you are, but it is absolutely vital to grasp that he didn't call you there so that you could settle in and live your life in comfort and superficial peace. Let me read that to you again. It is true that God may have called you to be exactly where you are, but it is absolutely vital to grasp that he didn't call you there so you could settle in and live your life in comfort and superficial peace. When you look throughout Scripture, when you look at the life Jesus lived, when you looked at how he challenged his disciples, it wasn't about settling in. It wasn't about saying, I just want peace. I just want comfort. It was about living your life 100% for Christ. Now when you do that, it's the most incredible thing that you can do. But also, again, like I said earlier, it doesn't mean your life's going to be perfect. There's going to be times where you will be persecuted. There's going to be times when people judge you. But he didn't call us to live a life where we can just sit back and do nothing. He called us to live a life where we can experience his kingdom here on this earth. And if you truly do that, there will be times where it may be tough. But he's also saying, you know what? Your reward is so much greater. You need to rejoice. You need to be glad in knowing that. As we close out this morning, the takeaway is again this trifold that is out at the information desk. I encourage you to stop by to grab one of these. And over the next 30 days, pray through each day. It's very simple. It's very laid out. August 16th it starts. And you can pray right through each day. I encourage you to do this for two reasons. One is to be praying for those who are persecuted around this world. In the first service, we had an opportunity um, to call up at the end of the service Chris Adams. Um, Some of you may know him. Some of you may not. But he's someone from our congregation who is serving in one of these countries that oppresses Christianity, and today he was leaving to go back. So we were able to call him up and pray for him. So we have people out of our own family that are serving in places where it's dangerous. It's not a safe place to be a follower of Christ. So grab these and pray through this. The second thing is, as you pray through these, as you're seeing people in countries where Christianity is oppressed, I want you to be thinking about your own life. And are you totally sold out? Are you living for Him, for His kingdom? That there's times that you are going through persecution as well. Because if you are, and Jesus says rejoice and be glad about that. Because your reward is going to be so great. So I encourage you to grab one of these out on the information desk. And if you like it, the website is right on here. 
And in 30 days, you can print out one for yourself or just keep it on your computer and continue to pray. And there's a lot of other great information about what you can do as far as with the persecution that is going on. So I encourage you to be a part of that, to continue to experience God's kingdom. As we close this morning, we're going to sing an old song. Some of you may not be old, but I grew up on this song, so it's older since I'm getting up there. But it's, I have decided that some of you are shaking your head. Well, I am. Um, it's, I have decided to follow Jesus. It's, it's a simple song, but it's a great song. And it's a commitment song. And as we talked about last week, how God doesn't want your sacrifices, He wants your obedience. I'm going to challenge you again this morning. I don't want to see, God doesn't want to see you singing this song if you don't really mean it. Have you decided to follow Jesus? Is there no turning back? The third verse says, Though none go with me, still I will follow. There's going to be times where when you're imitating Christ and you're sold out for Him, that you're going to be the only one going forward. Are you willing to do that? Because there's comfort in numbers. But we're not called to be comfortable. We're called to live our lives for Him. And at times that's going to mean pushing forward when no one else wants to go with us. But that's what... God calls us to do. So as we sing this song, I pray that you can sing this from your heart. I pray that you can sing it saying, I have truly decided to follow Jesus. It's been exciting to see how God is working in our lives for our church over these past few weeks. And let's allow that to continue. So I ask that you stand to your feet and let's sing, I've decided to follow Jesus.